music. I am not overly sensitive. I am not overly aggressive. I'm exactly who I should be. Welcome to Masculinity Now with Arabella Tornau. A big welcome to all of you. I'm so much looking forward to today's podcast with my guest and friend, Alex Jepson, as it hits the spirit of the times for today's full moon in the sign of Scorpio. Death and rebirth. Once again, and again, and again. Until we realize that among all the different kinds of identities we create in our lives, the only constant is to learn and live to be. And to do that, we are invited to shed layers, clear repressed fears, find and speak our truth, and make choices that can be confronting, exciting, and painful, especially for the ego. Right now, we are all going through a very intense, innovative, catalytic, and rebellious transformation, personally and collectively. The questions, who am I? Does this lifestyle still work for me in the long run? Why am I holding on to people, places, patterns, and identities that limit me and are not suitable for me? Who am I without my paycheck, my house, my job? What am I here for? How do I find and live my purpose and a sense of fulfillment in my mind and heart? Yeah, I often hear these questions from my clients, which we will also address in today's episode. We also talk about the root cause of depression, why we call it the pressure of our soul, how we deal with depression in our society, why we are afraid of the unknown, and how we can deal with it in a healthy and balanced way. Alex works as a passionate wood artist, an entrepreneur, and has dedicated himself to helping others return to their natural state of being and living more intentionally and authentically. One reason I invited him to Masculinity Now today is to talk about his past suicidal depression, medication use, and addiction to weed and alcohol to inspire people to stop, pause, and reflect. But most importantly, to talk about the constant unfolding and evolution of ourselves, the need to attach to a specific identity, and what tools we can use to work with it instead of getting into our own way. He supports people to find a balance between the feminine and masculine approaches to life and live in a more heart-centered way. With that being said, Welcome to Masculinity Now with Arabella Tornau and my guest, Alex Jepson. We had a team meeting on a Wednesday and afterwards, um, five people from my team got sick in almost the exact way. And we're all urging a cold and having these emotional symptoms come up and being released over a week. And it, it was that joke of like, you know, we're all on Zoom, but it's like something went around the water cooler. 
uh, and this is me in Canada, someone in Belgium, Switzerland, uh, elsewhere in Canada, um, but all having like the exact same experience essentially um, in our own way, but all around the world. It's really true. And it's kind of like really interesting because it all came, I feel, with the solar uh, eclipse and with the new moon and Aries and everything what just been to and also like we wanted to have our talk and then we postponed it because we both like I felt sick I was in bed and I felt like so so tired you were like felt really tired and I always feel like this is a sign that something major is like going going on and so you can't resist that you just need to you just need to be and observe it in a way and also like to allow it and I really believe also like if we if we would have done the podcast like one well, one and a half week before it wouldn't have the same energy I feel or the same purpose of the message that we are want to bring out here today than today yeah it, it would have been forcing it I was yeah. definitely a bit of a nasty case <laughs> first time I'd really been sick in about three years and uh, a lot of things coming up to the surface so I'm very, very glad that we waited. Me too, me too. Yeah. But I'm also very glad that you are here today and we talk about like yourself, we talk about letting go old identities and um, welcoming the new path. And sometimes it can be very shaking and sometimes it can be really like triggering in the ways and it can feel lonely, it can feel depressed, it can be feeling like something very heavily is like weighing on our shoulders so um, it can be also feel very beautiful and very graceful and understanding of like um, the balances between like the masculine and the feminine approaches and how we can deal with it what tools we can use and um, and the beautiful side of understanding of who we actually really are so mm -hmm. I'm I'm really curious about you and your past and everything what aligned to the fact that we are now talking and with like the pre-recording I told you that I feel whatever you've been through you seem so unattached so I'm I'm before we go deeper into the why you're feeling so unattached I really want to know what led you to the fact and the way what you're doing now and how you feel right now yeah, absolutely. So kind of the past and what brought me to this, this stage. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a story you hear a lot, but it's essentially of suffering leading to a huge shift. Um, so when I was younger, kind of in, in my, my teenage years started experiencing a lot of depression. Um, and you know, went the traditional route of talking to doctors, trying to figure it out that way, uh, going on medication, and feeling super, super disconnected, feeling really low, and things started spiraling essentially worse and worse uh, over the years. So, um, yeah, by the time I was in my 20s, it was just kind of this perpetual state of, of darkness, of heaviness, where, you know, I'd, I'd have light moments, have fun with my friends, and, um, you know, little things that would make me curious, enjoy going out in nature, these kind of things. But, um really quite heavily depressed in my day-to-day -day and started going on more medication and um 
kind of going down this path psychologically of going deep into being a victim and um, self-loathing, these kind of things that it's essentially the mind getting more and more loud into, um, you know, ruminations where just there's these cycle of thoughts that just keep coming back and you feel like you're getting tormented a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and so essentially that process eventually cracked. Uh, we've talked about it uh, a number of times, but um, going through that experience is kind of what really led to where I am now. Being able to step through that and learn those lessons essentially start to live more aligned with who I actually am and a, a more natural state of being is kind of the way uh, on a high level I'd put it, but very happy to get into the details more. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I said, like it's, it's so tremendously inspiring how you talk about it because um, when you told me today that you have been suicidally depressed, I was like, wow, okay, you know, like this is, this is something that I want to dig deeper into it, how you overcome, how you overcame it, and also what tools mm -hmm. you used. And also, because you also mentioned that two years ago, you maybe would have been angry about like the system, you maybe would have been angry about your parents, you know, like, how did you overcome um, the anger, but also like the what tools did you use to really like ground yourself into your being? And also, what do you feel? What is the root cause of depression in our society? <clears throat> yeah, wow. Um, so the root cause I'd probably start with that, you know, it, the big piece is it feels like starting to live a life that's just not yours to live, um, mm. that you kind of go further and further off the path of who you truly are and kind of that, you know, that natural state of what makes you happy. Um, and I think a lot of people experience this of kind of, you know, you, you start giving up on some of your dreams or some of your interests. Um, you know, you, you start buying into a lot of stuff. You start building these identity structures of who I am and, um, and it kind of, you know, it just grows and grows and grows to the point where you're kind of so disconnected from who, who you truly are. And my sense is essentially the depression is this loud, loud signal saying you're, you're way off track essentially. And not in this state of something to feel bad about, but like a signal, a sign, um, you know, similar to if, if you have, uh, your lungs are hurting and you're smoking a ton, it, it's a sign for your body saying, you know, it's time to change something. There's something off in your system. Um, mm. if, if you're running a ton and your ankles, your knees are hurting. Well, it's a sign that you probably should be doing something differently. Um, you know, change, change your running style, whatever that might be. Um, and I think depression is something similar a lot of the times. Um, at least in my case, like I'm, I'm not going to make kind of too wide sweeping generalizations because it, it's super complex. But um, with that, it's also th these it's this conditioning essentially. So my, my favorite way of putting it is if we're like a driver in a car and you have this car that's just building up mud and all all mud all over the windshield, all over the windows to the point where you can't really see out anymore. Um, and this mud might be what you learn from your parents, what you learn from school, from the media, what you 
where you go through these early childhood events, uh, genetic stuff, ancestral stuff, um, but it just piles on. It's kind of all this conditioning that ends up shifting us from who we truly are. And for me, depression is when that gets so thick that you disconnect from who, who's in the driver's seat, that you're just kind of this, this you're kind of lost is, is the general sense of it. Um, and so with that process, it's tricky because with the, you know, so this is the part that would have made me angry before, but it's when you go talk to a doctor, uh, the traditional sense is, well, something's off neurochemically, there's something off with your brain, and mm -hmm. that's what's causing it. it. It has nothing to do with, you know, the environment, nothing to do with kind of day-to-day -day living, society, nothing about how you're being, um, but it's neurochemistry is, is the opinion. So then from there, I, I took that belief on from, from an early age and thought, okay, everything around me is normal. Um, everything in, in my body, everything in my system, my mind, all these things, all it's showing me is that there's something broken within me. Um, and with that, the fix ends up being, how do I fix the neurochemistry in my brain through medication um, or stop the things outside of me from happening versus figuring out the tools to work internally and process these things and essentially shift my life in a direction that feels, you know, natural, exciting, healthy, these kind of, th uh, you know, ways that are much more aligned with who I am. I like really like the metaphor with the mud and the dust and everything and that you taking on all the conditioning of like deep, deep down ancestral or society or whatsoever. And, and it's true. It's like, it's like we believe that something is wrong with us when we don't fit into a system that perceives everything as like aligned or perceives, or we perceive that everything is like, it needs to be this, this way. And I'm talking with a lot of men who experience like depression in a way of like in regards to their work environment or in regards to the money situation in regards to feeling safe and and um, connected to to the purpose of a man and everything so um before i want to go deeper into into this and also what what shake up with you um i would love to to know if you can bring me back to this moment where you had the realization that that you need to shift something that something is out of alignment and what caused you to let go of the medication and to dig deeper into your soul? Sure, it's not the easiest answer, but uh, the, the way I like to put it is things get louder in life. So mm -hmm. if, you know, initially something's off, you know, now you, you might be able to hear it on a subtle level and it feels like a little bit of a whisper, you know, things just feel off a little bit, you might feel a little uneasy, uh, maybe a bit tired, and then it becomes, you know, something audibly speaking to you, eventually it's yelling at you. Um, and I joke that life at the end was kind of picking me up and throwing me on the ground over and over again, just say kind of wake up, like, uh, to the point where there, there's no real ability to ignore it because the suffering got so significant. Um, and so that's the main way that things started to shift, that at, at one point, essentially, um, everything in my life had, had felt like it was crumbling apart. So I, I 
had no money, uh, no partner, um, didn't know what to do for work. I, my housing situation was extremely unstable. I was you know, drinking, smoking, on a ton of medication, these kind of things where, um, you know, my body felt horrendous, really, really overweight, feeling my heart beat really intensely through my system. Um, and so there was a few wake up calls within that of life kind of saying, you know, this is really not working, right? This is, this is really far off track. And, um, there are a few moments that did make it, how do I put it? That made it more obvious that something has to shift now, that it's not this hypothetical or this, this outward looking thing that on the horizon at some point I need to shift, which, you know, you know, if your life's off track, uh, but one moment was uh, a friend got me to kind of close my eyes at one point when I was in a really, really tough spot and, um, and feel into my body and, and kind of enter a meditative state, which I, I never meditated at the time, but that's essentially what it was and feel into my body and get quiet. And at some point, I essentially had this experience where it felt like my heart just stopped. Uh, it felt like this this intense constriction where my heart stopped, and I almost witnessed my own death. Is the is is the feeling that I had in that moment that I, I could feel it stop, saw it, opened my eyes, saw this. Uh, it sounds ridiculous, but saw this kind of dark, shadowy figure. Mm -hmm. um, and I just broke down, like I, I was in shock, essentially turned white, just bawling my eyes out uh, because it, it felt so clearly like, you know, whatever that is, whether that's the subconscious, whether that's life, uh, spirits, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's this clear signal that essentially uh, there was no question in my mind. It was saying like, if you continue down this path, you're going to die. Um, wow. And I felt it. I felt that it was a heart attack. Um, you know, as I said, I was drinking a ton, smoking a ton, on a lot of medication, drinking an absurd amount of coffee, uh, these things to essentially numb out and keep functioning. Um, yeah. You know, working a job at a startup that I didn't like, but paid the bills and, you know, was kind of aligned with what traditionally is viewed as successful or what, what I'd went to school for and, and thought this is what I was supposed to do. Um, so that was probably the singular moment that really started shifting things of, you know, it's not going to be this kind of small course correction, but it requires um, like a really significant major shift. And so shortly after that, I had another experience that was, you know, a bit more run of the mill, a um, bit, bit more of a normal experience. Um, but it was essentially my friend asked me like, if money wasn't an option, if, if money had nothing to do with it, what would you do right now? What would you do for the next year? And so clearly it came through. I want to create art. I just want to create art and, you know, that that's it. Um, and my friend said, okay, do that. Uh, <laughs> pursue that. And that was kind of this other turning point where I started uh, creating and, and started going back to something that, you know, I'd been this lifeboat at different points in my life and as a kid, uh, kind of lit me up, um, you know, big in my family, uh, back to my great, great, or my great grandparents of a lot of artists, a lot of people who love creativity. And, uh, that moment kind of created a spark where, you know, you're at such a low point where you have nothing to lose is the feeling. So you say, okay, 
yeah. I'm going to start creating art. And the next day I started a project. Um, it just so happened to involve wood because it was, it was uh, just something I found online that I wanted to make something similar. And uh, that that's kind of the process that started shifting my life was getting into woodwork. And uh, through that, diving into my psyche, diving into uh, spirituality, philosophy, all these different things, and piece by piece reorganizing my life of letting go of things that are unhealthy, uh, which was a huge laundry, huge laundry list at the time, and kind of reintegrating and bringing back things into my life that I love. Wow. This is impressive, Alex. And especially taking the steps and the bravery to really let go of certain things that were making you feel so comfortable, also mm -hmm. in a way of, also if it, also if it created numbness, um, it was still a feeling of safety because you felt safe. Like I assume you felt safe also like in the toxicity. And um, this is something that we as a society, it's, it's hard to let go of something that makes us feel safe because we want, we want to feel safe. So is it about like money? Is it about like other people? Is it about like a society that tells us we need to go to school, we need to do certain degrees in order to really actually like live a fulfilled life? So there's like so many gold nuggets that I that I feel I want to address. And um, the main gold nugget that I also want to address is um, the fact of like what you said about about the heart attack and seeing you dying and also the spark that broke you open in a way that you never felt before. So now with all of the knowledge and all of the wisdom that you gained also like the last couple of years, what would you say, what was that particular moment? What's been going on there? What has been going the, on there? Uh, like the big spark that kind of shifted after that to bring kind of the light back in. I want to know like how your heart felt in this moment when you decided to shift your life. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It feels very similar to something I'm feeling these days because I'm in another big shift. Um, but it, it's this feels kind of, it reminds me of a childishness, of kind of this playfulness and possibility and curiosity, um, like taking off a really heavy backpack um, and kind of taking a big load off your shoulders. And I was lucky at the time because again, there, there was kind of, things had gone bad uh, or off to the degree that I, I really had nothing mm -hmm. to lose, right? And so I was lucky with that, but one of the big words that, that comes up is curiosity as well. So I had kind of lost that in my life. And then w with that moment, you start having curiosity of what can I do? Um, oh, what can I create if, if this doesn't matter right now? And I mean, practically it did matter. I, I did need money to, to afford my life and these kind of things, but it, it was more kind of this, this underlying shift. Um, And so with curiosity, it brought me back into going really deeply into different topics. Uh, so some was art, uh, but some became 
you know, going really deep into psychology and philosophy and spirituality and, um, you know, dabbling into neurochemistry and uh, neurobiology and um, quantum physics, these kind of things where not becoming an expert, but being fascinated and really having this drive to go into it. Uh, so kind of that, that self-help to some degree, but into all these different aspects. Uh, whereas before, it was very much kind of uh, relying on other people. So if I have a problem, okay, let's see what the doctor says or a therapist says, and, um, you know, try and hope for the best, essentially, where that shift and that drive back to curiosity kind of put some of the power back in my own hands. It was this empowering feeling of, okay, let, let's start taking action. Let's start moving in that direction. And, um, yeah, doing it from within, essentially, versus hoping someone else mm -hmm. can fix me, uh, someone else can do this for me, but but taking the power back. And um, and from a place, again, it's curiosity. It's not this, I'm going to figure it out. It's not this, um, not heaviness, or, but but more this, this playful drive. Um, yeah, it's a really tough one to put it into is, words. Because it's connected to the heart and sometimes, not sometimes, but especially when you grow up in a world that really operates most of the time from the mind or like from the you know wounded masculine approach or whatsoever you want to call it it's it's very interesting when you connect to the death of your heart the first time because this is what i personally believe what depression is like depression is for me like there's a pressure of your soul that basically like says there's immensely something right now out of alignment which is okay because you're here to experience life to its fullest but on one point you learned the lesson of what doesn't work in society so let's bring you back into alignment to your highest purpose and mission in life and this is to connect to the depth within to connect to to your heart to the feminine energy within and to create with the abundance that you carry alongside the right so you said it pretty amazing in regards to that art and um creativity connected to connected you to your own depth and i would love to know I would love to know what, how that shifted in your life and what you also felt by creating art in your body. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, from that moment, I essentially decided to move back to my parents' house, which is a, when you're mid twenties is kind of a, a psychological and identity <laughs> death in, it, in itself, right? Um, you know, I'd gone to a really, uh, really good school and was capable of, of doing a lot of things in business. Um, and kind of at that point, going back to my parents' house felt like this huge failure, right? This, this huge shift, uh, everything comes up of what will my, my friends think? And, you know, what does this mean about who I am? Uh, but with that process, my parents saw the place I was in and saw I was, I was starting to make this shift, um, that, in my life that I'd been struggling with for about, you know, 10, a good 10, 15 years, something like that. And uh, so I started creating art at my parents with a bit of space. They gave me the space to essentially 
work on myself and work on art, oh. essentially, um, as a focus, which is something that most people don't have the luxury of doing. Like, I'm beyond grateful for that experience, even if it, that initial stage was really uncomfortable. Um, and so over the next little bit, it started feeling a bit like freedom. Um, and again, this playful curiosity and, and kind of feeling this momentum of like genuine passion that I, I felt for little moments in my life, but it was typically around art. It was typically, I had done Photoshop and, uh, you know, different mixed media type things. Just essentially when I was in low places, I, I'd use art as a method to get out of my head, to kind of put my focus into something and my creative energy, um, just instinctively. It wasn't really kind of a, uh, wasn't really a tool mm -hmm. at the time. Um, but as I started to build art, what was interesting, uh, so it was a lot of woodwork, it's working with your hands and it requires a lot of focus. And I'd listen to a lot of podcasts, listen to uh, videos on YouTube, audiobooks, these kind of things and learn. And in that process, you start seeing everything come up. So you have a lot of time with yourself. So it's just me focusing on something and the, you know, you start cutting out the distractions. And I started to cut these other things out of my life that I had used um, as crutches uh, to help numb, to help comfort, these kind of things. So um, in that process, as I let go of, um, you know, tapered off my medication, as I stopped smoking weed, as I uh, stopped drinking alcohol, stopped watching TVs, um, you know, uh, let go of watching basketball, which I had been just an avid fanatical fan for a long time. Uh, just in these little nudges of this is what I have to do in this moment. My whole focus has to be bringing myself back to life, essentially. Um, but with that space, you start seeing everything come up that's been hidden under the surface. It's like you're kind of shining this light around the room that's been in darkness, and you see all the cobwebs. You see, you know, little rats running around and dirt all over the place. So um, you start seeing, uh, like, the self-critic, the judgmental mind, uh, the perfectionism, the worry, the fears, um, you know, these ruminating thoughts, all mm. these things that essentially I, I had been, I'd been disconnected from, I, I, or it's not quite disconnected from, but you're kind of just trying to repress it and push it down to get through the day. And now it's kind of right in yeah. your face. I, I joke that sometimes it's shadow boxing. It felt like my mind uh getting these fake arguments with people from the past and defending itself against you know a, a friend or a, a colleague that that might say something to slight me these kind of things uh which you can see in the moment is super mm -hmm. distorted and piece by piece starting to work on those things um so it's kind of this dual process with the the art and the creative process that it ended up being some of it was this really exciting process that had passion and um, curiosity and bringing beauty back into my life in a mm. major way. And then the other part was this um, introspective learning process and starting to actually work through a lot of those patterns and um, thought processes, emotional blocks that had been in there since, since childhood. Yeah. Wow. This is something that I 
find always so fascinating because when you connect to yourself and when you allow to let go of your wounds and to really like also shine the light to the box that you kept hitting away from so long, you realize that there is so much more to live about and that life is just so much more that we actually like believe what is life all about. And I'm mm -hmm. just like wondering why, because I, I know and I, I'm, I'm fascinating also about the knowledge that you have about the masculine and the feminine approach. And one thing that really stuck out for me one day when you had your workshop and you said that like, you know, like being in a meditative, like, um, being in a meditative state, it can be everything like connecting to, to yourself, connecting to your inner child in regards, it doesn't matter if it's like meditation or if it's like playing basketball or whatsoever, doing something that really like brings out the inner child within you, but also like brings out the curiosity and the playfulness and the, and the love. And what would you say? What is like the true medicine for men and women who are dealing with depression or who are dealing with the phase of letting go of a, of a, identity that they're created in their mind because of society? It's a, it's a it big is. question. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, from I, I can speak from my own experience mostly. And, uh, you know, with my experience, a big part of it was seeking out what lights me up, essentially, what, um, what I enjoy. And a lot of that did come back to what I enjoyed mm -hmm. as a kid. Um, I think there's a lot of nuggets in that of finding out what really makes mm -hmm. you tick and what you really enjoy. That the more we come back to ourselves, the more you're coming back to that natural state, which is kind of the unconditioned state. And you see that much more with kids. They don't have quite as much baggage. They don't have as much of the beliefs of everyone around them in the society. And, uh, uh, you know, these traumatic events that we all experience that kind of imprint us. Um, and so... As you said, like, you know, I, I do love meditation, but a bigger piece was these kind of uh, these aspects of daily life that are meditative, but but it's just kind of daily life. So going for long walks with my dog was one of the most therapeutic things and still is yeah. to this day um, of going out into nature, getting quiet, sitting, you know, watching a sunrise, watching a sunset or just walking for an hour two hours in, in in nature on my own essentially or with my, my dog um you know playing basketball was something that i loved as a kid and when i grew up essentially after you know high school where you're, you're playing high school basketball and, and in leagues mm -hmm. and these kind of things uh you know, i kind of let it go to some degree i'd play with friends here and there but uh when i started coming back to myself starting to shoot around on my own uh, like this last year going down being in the park and just just shooting basketball uh, shooting the basketball over and over again listening to music and it's this something within me would arise like you feel this joy and this passion yeah. come back and realizing i had kind of pushed this away like it's this thing as a kid i loved it, it would you know just excite me it, it was this way that i would process things spend time on my own 
um, go into dream world essentially. And, you know, there's not enough time when you're older. That, that's kind of the idea. Or there, there's other things to do or get lazy and um, watch TV or, you know, you know, whatever it might be. Um, not saying watching TV is lazy, but I, I'm talking mm. in my life, I was watching a lot of TV, sitting down watching Netflix or watching basketball versus actually getting up and doing it myself. Um, and art was similar. It's something that lit me up as a kid. There was all these moments I can look back to in my life that I found peace, excitement, joy, curiosity uh, through art, through uh, being on my computer with Photoshop and trying to create something that didn't exist before. Um, you know, going on a bike ride in the middle of the night and just feeling this rush of energy of, of it's kind of this part of yourself coming back online. And, you know, in the, the inner child way of looking at things, it almost feels like this, oh, you're acknowledging me, you're, you know, we're, we're integrating back, we're coming back alive. Um, and so that's the nice part is that I think the question of like, what what is the medicine is that a lot of it is, it's actually enjoyable. So it's it, what does it, what really lights you up, what, what you connect with, what those little things that keep pulling at you are, are saying that, you know, you might say, oh, there's not enough time or, oh, that's a pipe dream or that's childish, you know, what whatever might come up. But those things that are pulling at you are usually the medicine. Um, and some of it's just silliness. Uh, it's like silliness and playfulness feels like a, a huge shift that it, stop taking yourself so seriously, stop taking uh, everything around you so seriously of, you know, still um, acting from integrity and uh, trying to build something, but seeing kind of the play in it. So if you're going for a walk, just, you know, I, I would have these moments of, you know, just kind of jumping from rock to rock and going in the middle of the, the stream and, and taking off my shoes and just walking right up the middle of the stream. Um, and they're just these tiny little things that feel like childish playfulness and, and yeah, curiosity of coming back to this state of this is what I want to do. And even if my mind says it's stupid or um, what will people think, each time you kind of feel this building of energy that's... Uh, more who you are is my sense. It's more freedom. Uh, you kind of like unshackle and, and and drop more of these these restrictions that that we self-impose on ourselves over time. Yeah, thank you. Because in the end of the day, it's kind of like, what is it what we really totally fully crave? Is it the money? Is it like the status? Is it like the power? What is it? Or is it like true liberation and true freedom? And do we, do we just believe that we can only access those feelings through the, through the situation of the money? And I, I'm, I'm not saying that money is better whatsoever, because we all like, for me, money, for example, means freedom. Um, it's a part of freedom, mm -hmm. but it also like under which price do I um, own my my livelihood and I decided I want to I want to choose and I want to be free in a way of like I want to do something what fulfills me deep within my soul and I have the feeling that a lot mm -hmm. of people and especially men um, waking up to the fact in our society that they're exhausted they're like when I talk especially with men um, and women of course but 
the external is just so loud in a way that the masculine approach is just in our society like you need to you need to gain money you need to be fulfilled you need to be like you only be fulfilled and happy when you achieve like certain amount of like power and in the society and everything and and yes and then on one point you have all the money in the world um and then you realize there's still some part missing there's still something missing that i did not integrate and and i feel this is the playful part this is the creative part and the feminine part the connectingness to the heart um what got sometimes out of alignment during the process of the um socialization i feel and i'm questioning right now what is what like why do you feel it is so important to connect to your heart in a way of really fully living free as a man as and as a woman um yeah it feels like everything honestly um i think that's the power in the question that i was asked of if money was no option yeah. what would you do um and if you ask yourself that question i think you'll find you know a lot of uh a lot of signs mm. of where to head and that can feel overwhelming mm. because a lot of questions arise with that of how does that work how does that look like you see the distance between where you are and where you need to go um but i think that is part of it it's, it's tapping into that heart the heart's intelligence the natural state um I'm sorry, I lost I lost track of the the uh the second part of the question with it. It's okay. It's like more like the fact of like what would you recommend to balance to balance those energies within like the mind and the heart. Because the mind is a beautiful tool, mm -hmm. you know, but we 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 were talking before mm -hmm. that and we were talking about um the mind wants one thing and the heart wants the other thing, but what can we do? to balance and to find alignment within so we can actually like start living the life that we deeply 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 feel within mm. it's a, another really <laughs> tough question to put into words I'll do uh yeah it's it's an interesting one. I think that is what we're all experiencing is how to balance the the mind and the heart the different hemispheres the masculine and feminine and find that state uh of equilibrium mm -hmm. right of uh of balance equilibrium harmony uh being centered i think they're all words pointing to the same thing um and for me what it's been is finding those it's kind of finding the guidance from the heart from the body um and from there i get this knowing of essentially this is where mm -hmm. i need to go and having the mind kind of come on board mm -hmm. with it um so there's that saying i might butcher it but it's it's like the mind makes a great servant but not mm -hmm. a great master um and you know I, i grew up doing very well in school very analytical very heady and so it, it's been something that i've been challenged with quite a bit is that the mind always wants to know and wants to figure it out and have the exact plan in these kind of 
uh, really tricky aspects as, as you're following your heart because it's usually unknown. You're jumping deep into the unknown. So some of, you know, I think Woodwork's a good example, actually, if, if uh, as an analogy is you, you get into that more intuitive state and I'd have this idea, I'd have this idea for an art piece and it starts coming together and I see this is how I want it to look and get the vision for it. But then from there, it's the mind and that mental aspect or the masculine aspect, the active, helping to put that into motion and build, bring it into existence. So, okay, I have this idea, here it is down on paper. I, I have I have to now put it into form, bring it down from the abstract into something actually tangible. Um, and with that, the mind's amazing. Okay, we have this, this, uh, this goal that we're looking to achieve and let's put it into motion. Um, and I think the tricky thing is trying to get enough space where you can start to differentiate between what is kind of the the inner guidance, the murmurings, the the heart's intelligence, or a healthy state of thinking that's connected, that's that's in harmony, um, and what is patterning, what is conditioning, mm. what's fear, um, and starting to separate out those two things. So. You know, a, a good example from my life is I had this knowing, okay, it's time to leave my woodwork mm -hmm. behind uh, a few years ago, a year and a half ago, and it's time to move across the country. And I just knew that in all of my being, it's time to move to the mountains and make a big shift. And with that, I, I have to essentially take a little car. I can't bring all my tools, can't bring my art and have to leave the business I created behind essentially, leave the identity I'd created uh, unknowingly behind and now I'm an artist, which, you know, was a bit of a trap in itself. Um, and so having that knowing this is what I'm going to do and stepping out into it, then the mind will, was jumping in of all this fear of what does this look like? How am I going to make it work? Um, and you start seeing this, this kind of chatter come up of, uh, that to me is usually a place that I'm not free. If I know this is where I'm supposed to head and I know that, I've kind of tapped in, this is the end goal, or the, not the end goal, but this is kind of the North Star for the yeah. time being. Um, you can see what comes up and I can see the fear, the desire for certainty, the desire for control, all these things. Then on the other hand, use the mind to actually make an action plan and set things into motion. So it's separating out those aspects, those thoughts, those patterns, the emotions that come up that, um, feel like they're coming from an unhealthy place and working with them, uh, bringing acceptance, love, forgiveness to those parts, um, creating some separation and, and distance from my thoughts helped me of kind of mindfulness practices, but then having the mind create that action plan to, to actually make it happen essentially so that it doesn't stay as this vision. It doesn't stay as this, this goal or this dream or this abstract possibility, but it actually uh, there's action behind it. There's rightful action. And that way you kind of marry the two together. Um, th that's been my experience with, with a lot of this. And it, it's certainly challenging <laughs> at times, but, uh, you know, the more I follow that guidance, the more every aspect of my life has gotten better by, you know, a magnitude of degrees that I can't even begin to explain. And if I had sat down and tried to only map it out 
intellectually and put it down on paper, none of it would have happened. Um, like, I, I know that. And so with that, part of my process is making a list sometimes of, okay, here are all the times I've taken yeah. that leap that I've known this is mine to do. I know that this is kind of the path to take. And that I remember in that moment how scared I was or how much my mind told me otherwise and all the reasons not to do it. Um, and that I know how it unfolded and I know how perfect it was on the other end of that that deep chasm of unknown. And so with that list, uh, you know, it's just kind of in me now, but I used to actually write it down and it's kind of showing the mind, okay, these are all the ways that things have worked out way better than when we kind of followed the old model uh, by taking these leaps, by stepping into the unknown. And, and if I know that this is currently telling me to head in a certain direction, I can trust that it'll, you know, unfold in a similar way, that it, it'll be way better than anything I could imagine from where I'm sitting right now. Uh, and that helps me get the mind on board and create more of a more holistic state of being where we're, you know, the whole system is working towards one goal. It's not this separation. It's not this battle between the two. Um, and it, it is funny, you're convincing a part of yourself uh, a lot of the times, but but it has worked really well for me to step into more trust and faith with that process. That is incredible. Like how you explain that and how I can feel it also in my heart, you know, like when you talk about this, I could really feel like this sigh of relief of like, yeah, this is, I totally agree and we, we were talking about this also like the last time that our mind wants to figure out who we are like all the time our mind wants to recreate the story because it keeps us safe because it it's a story it's something that that our mind can grasp and it's kind of like and it doesn't matter if it's like a a, a story of like a negative attached story or like a, a positive attached story it just wants to to be seen and it just wants to also like understand it more in a, in a way of like okay and I, i totally understand what's going on here but when the mind and the heart gets involved like you like you phrase it so beautifully and um and very wise it's it's the sleep of faith where our heart just has the guidance and our mind is kind of like trying to figure out what it is but it's just like obeys in a way and it feels like okay i go with it because i trust i trust the process and it's it's a process because in the beginning like you said in regards to letting go of the old identity it was just something it's a muscle right it's kind of like when you go to the gym and whatsoever and you just go there once the muscle can't grow also so strong but when you surrender even more and really write down okay when was the last time how many times did i took the sleep of faith and it worked out beautifully because i was trusting my heart you know i was trusting the guidance of it and my mind was on board with it it just like deepens faith and it deepens the balance and it and what you also said with the separation it it moves from separation to connectingness and to to really like living in a way that is quite out of our comfort zone but it's actually like the main reason that we are alive i feel yeah i sense you you get a ton of freedom through that process um yeah 
even from following that, like th there's the one aspect of that I, I would say is more like convincing my mind or, you know, convincing myself that the, the guidance I have, that, that knowing that this is what I have to do, having that list to say, okay, let's get on board. This is what we're doing and it'll work out. Let's, let's take this leap of faith. And the other piece that comes up is kind of the healing path. So as you're taking those leaps, uh, all your shit comes <laughs> up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if, if it's one or not all your shit, but, but a lot of the things that are relevant to what you're doing will come up. So if when it was leaving a job, you know, a lot of stuff around finances will come up around, uh, certainty around identity, um, you know, status in society, all, all the visions we had for the future, all these different things come up. And so you, you can't just quite convince those parts to come along for the ride. Some of it is also then looking at it and doing the shadow work or, or looking and, uh, and feeling it fully, essentially not, not trying to do what I used to do, which is numb it out or try and bypass it, try and, um, shove it under the, the carpet. Uh, so there's freedom in the steps you take in life. And then if you're working with that process, you're also gaining further freedom by kind of working through those emotional, psychological aspects that will arise when you're making these decisions that seem, you know, like, like pretty big, unpredictable or unknown jumps sometimes. Um, I yeah. have a variety <laughs> of like um, questions right now. Um, one of the questions is like, why do you had the feeling or what did you wanted to numb out? It's essentially all, it's mm. a tricky one. So before I wouldn't have been mm. able to say this, but, but it's the idea of trauma mm. and the, the difficult part. And was, I think a lot of men experience this as well. Uh, and I know mm. everyone does. Uh, I've talked to many women friends who have the exact same experience, but when you say trauma, Uh, the mind will typically compare it to what other people mm. have experienced and will have these massive, horrendous experiences that other people mm. have in life and say, well, I, I can't call my, my trauma or uh, issues to deal with because look at what yeah. they're dealing with. Um, and I think that's a big piece that it, it becomes that that are kind of these underlying things that, that you stop looking at. Um, how do I put it? Like the way I see it is essentially we come into the world and we start experiencing life at an early age and we're highly, I don't want to say manipulated because there's a, a bad connotation with that, but we're very malleable. Like we're being impacted by our surroundings to a mm -hmm. huge degree. Uh, the idea that you're in the theta brainwave state for the first seven years of your life and you're kind of this sponge taking things on, yeah. taking things on. And so in that process, you take on, uh, you know, the beliefs uh, of everything around you. You start to have these experiences with your family, with friends that start to imprint you where, you know, it could be a, a small thing when you look at it objectively, but for a little kid, who kind of relies on other people for survival and is in this new unknown place, um, it kind of leaves these little imprints in you. If someone says something to you as a kid and you really take that on and you don't work through it, that can stay with you the rest of your life yeah. if you don't look at it. Um, so 
you know, you have that in the first seven years, then you go to school and, you know, it just kind of magnifies. So then you have, okay, what happens with your peers, with teachers? Uh, I have friend, one of my closest friends where, uh, like a young, at a young age, a teacher tells him he's stupid and is working through that belief to this day when he's an incredibly intelligent, capable yeah. person. And, and I experienced the same thing. It's these little things that start building up. And so you can see this as it's kind of the mud, right? It's That's what's covering over us. And it, it just gets so big that at some point you don't know what mm. to do with it. Uh, so some of it are those moments where it starts being this deep insecurity that you have to push down and, and move forward with so that uh, you don't have that vulnerability, essentially, that you're you're still able to maintain the identity that you have maybe uh, or that place in society that people will look up to me, people will respect me or they won't push me around, you know, whatever that might be. But it's starting to cover these things up because if I feel it and I show that, um, first of all, it hurts to a tremendous degree. We don't have the tools to deal with it. And then how that... Um, the feedback of what that would be like with with the rest of your life is usually very scary to deal with. So with men, a lot of that the time that's if I show my vulnerability, if I show this sadness, this hurt, this pain, shame, guilt, whatever that might be, um, you know, how that comes across to to my friends, how that comes across to women, um, you know, what we see, it becomes a threat. So you start saying, okay, let's push this down. Uh, you know, I don't want to feel this because that's a threat, essentially. It's it's a threat to this big house of cards of, of what we think we need to do to get through life. Um, and then I think the other piece is what you alluded to earlier. It's, it's the idea that if you're so far off path, you know, it, these signs are going to come up. It's going to get loud. I, I still experience it to this day. If I'm off path, it will get loud until I hear it and make an adjustment. And so you kind of have these two options. You have, okay, I'm going to listen to the signs saying something is deeply off with how I'm living, or I can numb out, or I can push it down, I can repress it. And I don't think the numbing out and repression is, is a conscious act most of the time, but it's, for me, it was sitting in front of a TV for hours watching basketball, getting high. Um, I believe a lot of the medication I was taking is just that, it's shutting off these signals in my brain that are saying something's off. Um, and so you start actually chemically putting barriers up to even feeling it. And so the signals get louder and louder and louder, and you're not actually working with what's underneath. You're just kind of, um, you know, just putting another layer of something on top and just saying like, okay, it's, uh, I don't see it, so it's not there. I'm not experiencing it right now, so it's not there, but it, it just builds. And yeah, I think that's a lot of what you start experiencing with depression. I felt in my body of, you know, I'm still working through so much tension of, you know, your shoulders up at your ears and all these bracing positions that I actually wasn't even feeling at the time. But as you start coming out of it, uh, you realize that like all of this stuff you're, you yeah. are holding, if, we're all holding essentially, but if you're really numbing out and um, with distractions and or hedonism, just seeking out pleasure, all these things that we tend to do, then typically that's just going to get bigger and bigger and more loud or it's not going to get processed. And it feels dense. It feels heavy. 
And the more you kind of work through it, the more you feel light and free. Um, that's my experience. And that, that's the experience of most people that I talk to who uh, are going through a similar process. This is so helpful, Alex. Seriously, like, especially what you said in the end in regards to our body, because our body holds on to um, the trauma and whatever we carry, whatever, like, been passed through also to generate from generations to generations and like especially like the upper part and especially like the shoulders and whatever like has to do with like really making ourselves carry something very heavy you can see this on people you can you can see this in your own like posture you can see when you want to hide your heart because you want to you 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 feel not safe or something something like this like our body is our biggest messenger and And um, yeah, I, I, I personally believe that we as a society, when we open ourselves to our emotional wounds and like healing our emotional wounds, um, we stop being trapped in our mind because we open this Pandora box in regards to what we actually like have to offer, have to offer for ourselves, but also for, for the world. Um, so the heart mm. and mind connection and really feeling the self-love also for ourselves and opening up to forgiveness, opening up to, to letting go of the identity that we created because parental figures or the school system or whatsoever, like just put a false lens of our being onto us. It's just something that we, that can, that is setting us free. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering also like, how, what would you recommend for men and for women who are going through a similar process of letting go? Like, first of all, like opening the Pandora box of their own healing. <laughs> So how should they deal with the fear that also arises from that? Love it uh, is the, the simple mm -hmm. answer, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, again, it's kind of from my experience with it, it's the easiest, but for me, the first step for me was kind of creating distance. Um, from what I was experiencing. So uh, initially you're just kind of in this mode where everything's happening to you and you, you, you are your thoughts and you're just kind of in this chaos. And for me, the biggest step was getting space from that. So getting into that state of being the observer and the witness so you can see your thoughts and see your emotions versus being carried away by them. Uh, so you're no longer being dragged down a river where you feel like you're completely out of control, um, but you're actually able to witness it a little bit and getting more and more space from that so that if you're seeing all of a sudden, how do I put it? In the old state, if I had fear, I'd act from it a hundred percent. And so acting from it might be projecting on someone else. It might be avoidance, hiding, um, you know, trying to bolster myself in terms of being more aggressive or um, hyper-masculine so that 
like that fear isn't coming through if that yeah. makes sense um and you're just acting from it so it's almost trying to say i'm not scared um or and dealing with it in a way that that's unconscious and when you have when you start building that space and are able to kind of witness some of those thoughts witness the emotions what i experienced was then i can see the mind and i can see the thoughts and the emotions coming up and you're not getting carried away quite as much and with that i i started going through a bit of a process with self-healing so that that is where it's kind of uh for me it's been this balance of kind of a, a masculine and, and feminine version of it um where part is you know feeling it fully going into mm -hmm. the fear and and being with it which is extremely uncomfortable you know you'll see you want to pick up your phone or uh you know before drink a beer whatever it might be uh turn on tv but being with it fully and feeling it a hundred percent and with that uh you start releasing some of it so it's really uncomfortable but that's the process of that you're saying of love acceptance forgiveness and uh what helps me is the, the inner child aspect of that of seeing that there's an inner child there, there's a part of myself as a kid that's scared and being able to be there for it like i would be if if i had a nephew uh who was really struggling right showing that same love acceptance forgiveness for my inner child that i would to another child um externally essentially um and so with that you end up processing a lot of the emotions or that's been yeah. my experience and what i learned is that on the other end of that i, I have kind of a self-inquiry aspect where then looking at okay where did this fear arise from um and kind of unpacking a little bit or what's the belief behind this fear when you have the power and the control to be an observer of your own emotions and of your own thoughts you can really like see and step out of this and to understand it in a more and a wider aspect that in the end of the day it's it's um it's all about understanding your patterns it's all about understanding your habits it's all about understanding where it comes from to connect it in order to let it go when you can't understand it when you when you when you're not aware of your emotional wounds it's 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 difficult to let some old habits or old beliefs go because it comes up again and again and again to show you where you can actually like learn from and grow from. And mm -hmm. my spiritual belief is that we are all here to gain experiences and to grow from experiences and to have lessons um, that shape us um, in any kind of form. There is no good or bad either. And to also see us where we can really put light within in order to understand that this is just an old identity or like an old an old outdated version of ourselves that still wants to hold on to this fear that our mind created or or that we actually like thought we are i mm -hmm. hope that makes sense yeah there's two things one that comes up is uh it's that the space it's the space 
um, and how it helps. So it, it can be really simple even. Like I, I had a lot of moments over the last week where it's just more intense, mm -hmm. uh, you know, more emotional challenges and things coming up and more anxiety and stress, these kind of things than, than usual. And I notice that I keep wanting to go to sugar. Um, you know, I've noticed this before with cigarettes, with, uh, with alcohol, um, you know, the phone, these kind of things, but it, it's this awareness. Okay. I'm I see the whole drive saying, let's go get some sugar. Oh, we should just go out and get dessert or, mm -hmm. you know, a really a spoonful of honey because we don't have a ton of sugary treats in our house for, for good reason. <laughs> um, I don't have a ton of self-control with it right now. Um, mm -hmm. But you see it, and I, I know that it's not just this impulse of I want a sugary, delicious treat, which is true, mm -hmm. but it's coming from this this emotional piece that's I'm trying to mask something. That instead mm -hmm. of feeling what I'm feeling, I'm going to go and get a dopamine hit or or have some self-soothing with, you know, whatever it might be, a piece of cake or something, right? Yeah. Um, and so in the past, it's just following that impulse and saying, okay. I want sugar, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go to the corner store or the gas station or, you know, uh, make something that I want. But when you start having that separation a little bit, you can kind of question it to a degree. And you have a bit of a pause where you can interrupt that pattern and start choosing something differently. So instead of doing that, okay, I'm going to go outside for a little bit and uh, or go for a walk or you know, drink some water and feel into the anxiety uh, that I'm feeling, be with it. Yeah. Um, and then I think one of the other things you were saying was something about identity to a degree. Um, and it's something you and I have talked about a number of times. But I think this is a big piece is that it's a lot will come up when who you believe you are is challenged. <laughs> and mm -hmm we have a lot of identities built up over time and they're really sticky and really um, ingrained in our society and actually encouraged, uh, you know, not, not from some evil plot, but just how we've unfolded it. It's, it's encouraged. So when those start getting challenged and those are uh, under threat or under a perceived threat, you start seeing a lot of stuff come up uh, as like a protection mechanism of, it's almost like the system says we're under attack and I'm going to go into fight or flight or freeze. And because my, my identity is, is under threat right now, who I am is under threat. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting way of looking at it because how you put it makes so much sense. And it's so true. Like I can feel it in my mm -hmm. whole being that this is just like the truth that you found out, but it's also the truth that I found out within my system where thank God we have, we go through different processes of like letting go of our identity or like, you know, call it ego death or whatsoever what it is. Um, in the end of the day, it brings us closer to our truth and it brings us closer to ourselves, but it's like a very, very uncomfortable process. But the more we <laughs> but the more we surrender to it, I feel, and the more we we are able to feel it. Um, and thank you for this reminder and really like 
you know, also be with the anxiety and be mm -hmm. with the unpleasant feeling of like um, being totally overwhelmed. Um, mm -hmm. Because as soon as we allow it into our system, um, the sooner it can transcend into actually like a very exciting feeling because it's it's exciting for our soul to find out who we are really beneath the surface and who we are really beneath everything that we actually like thought we are. And that can be seen in the external world um, in regards of businesses or in regards of like um, the societal status that we actually like achieved or um, the relationships we encountered or whatsoever. It can also be felt in our internal system, you know, like really having moments and days and weeks and and years or whatsoever where we struggle in order to actually like understand who we are. And I feel this is the beauty of the process of actually like letting the old die and it just comes back to me right now in circle of how you can and this is what I really admire, how you can talk about your past with being so unattached to it, because you can feel, and there is nothing good or, or bad wrong with it either. either. I, can, I can say from my own experiences, I can feel when I was writing newsletters and I was still very attached to the past. I was attached to um, my upcoming. I was attached to like, who am I now? I, finally try to understand life and I tried now my purpose. I understand what is my purpose in life and all of a sudden there comes a shift and it's just <laughs> like, it's a wave in my face and it says like, ah, take a little look deeper. Like this is like, it led you to a deeper understanding of yourself, but it's not who you are. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like a perpetual state of rebirth. Um, yeah. Just this, this ongoing process. Um, yeah. So the, the strange thing is one of the first, the way I like to put it is that we all have this house of cards. This is mm -hmm. the the way that, that I see the, the symbol for it. And it's all your beliefs, your opinions, uh, thought processes, the, you know, who you think you are, your goals, uh, you know, everything. It's this big house of cards. Yeah. And we want to protect that. I mean, identity is a huge one in there, but but you want to protect that with everything you have because that's kind of your your framework for reality. That's it's psychological safety to have that in place. When it falls apart, which I was, I now say I'm lucky enough to have have had happen uh, to a large degree. If it kind of got burned down through suffering, through life going in a, in a direction that I really didn't want, you have a have the chance to rebuild that. Yeah. And in that process, what I noticed is the identities and and how much have been built up. And so some of them are kind of obvious. It's, uh, you know, our nationality, maybe our political leaning. You see that all over the, you know, you see it with everyone of attaching myself to a political party. And then if you attack the political party, you're, you're attacking me personally. And uh, <laughs> I think that's why people are so attached to it right now. Uh, among other things, but uh, mm. you know, a sport, a fan of a certain sports team, and mm. uh, a business person, and um, intellectual. You know, you have all these these signifiers, and this is who I am. And you feel very comfortable saying, "Okay, this is it." 
And if any of that's challenged, you're going to defend it because you're defending, I'm defending myself. This is who I am. I'm all these identities. I'm a male and I'm, I'm heterosexual, you know, all these different things uh, that if, if that becomes under threat, then I'm under threat. Um, and so the process of starting to see that's not who I am. That's kind of what I'm experiencing in life. These are some of my, the things I enjoy, the tendencies. Um, and the tricky one that was hard to look at was that one of the identities was depressed. And I think a lot of people have this. Um, and for me, which again is all I can really speak to, but it, it's this aspect that it went beyond I'm experiencing depression, right? I'm experiencing sadness and grief. I'm having a really tough time or, but it becomes, I am depressed, mm. uh, which, that starts attaching to your identity. Um, and it is tricky. That's part of who I am yeah. is depressed. And you start carrying yourself in the world in that way. You start interacting with other people in that way, making decisions in that way. Uh, your thought processes are, are formed through that filter. And to me, that was an extremely disempowering way of being. And it lead, led me to a degree of victim consciousness where something's happening to me. I don't have control over it. That's just who I am. Um, and that becomes really challenging to rebuild and, and to step away from if you're in the thick of it. Um, and the other thing with identity that comes up is we, we've talked about this before, but a few years ago, I was making an art piece, uh, called it rebirth, but it was essentially, it's this, um, background that's like scorched earth. It's all burned to the ground and, you know, just all black and from it's coming this green seedling. Um, and it's, it's coming up of new life coming from what's been burnt down. And I, I was really excited as it, uh, as it was coming to being, I was playing around and having these ideas pop in. And at the time I was thinking, okay, this is signifying this rebirth that I've just been through of going from this old life into now being an artist and, uh, you know, probably some spiritual ego in there and uh, all, all these different things that, it, you know, this is who I am and this, this shift. And as soon as I finished it, essentially, um, I had a knowing it's time to, to move. It's time to leave my artwork behind, my woodwork behind. I was gonna move with a, a little car full of stuff uh, across the country, six days away, where I had never been to before. And I knew that I didn't have enough savings or kind of income because I was leaving my business behind to have a workshop. So what that meant to me at the time was essentially rebirth. I now, it was like showing me, I had attached these, this new identity. I'm an artist and <laughs> no, you're not that either. Drop it. Like, <laughs> I love to create art, but that's not who I am. Yeah. And it was this, this really humbling experience of, um, seeing how much we want to attach ourselves to who we are and be able to signify that of, this is who I am and have a resume and, and a set of 15 things I can tell someone. Um, and it, it seems to happen over and over again that, it, as you said, if you grasp it too hard and you go, I figured it out and this is yeah. it, this is purpose, this is who I am, that it, it's like sand that just kind of sifts through, sifts through your hands and, and you go, okay, like back into, you know, the space behind that, the, the you know, more of the, 
who you truly are versus what you're doing with your time, what your beliefs are, what your opinions are, and what, what you're showing to the world. Um, and there's a lot of freedom in that, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's certainly an uncomfortable process at times. Because I find life seems to challenge beyond it, as you say. Like if you if you grasp, all of a sudden I see something will start to threaten that to almost show here's an area you're not free. Here's something else to let go of or, or to to integrate into yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating process. It's a fascinating process, isn't it? It's kind of like interesting, you know. It's it's like. Back in the days, the philosophers, everything, they were so wise because they didn't have so much distraction. It's like they were there with, at least it feels for me, like I know that I don't know, you know. It's kind of like really like the feeling of like questioning all over the time who we truly are. And it got a little bit distorted from our society because there's so much to do, like there's so much to explore, there's so much social media, there's so much to go, 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 go. And this is like the the unhealthy pattering that that um, what you said in the beginning, what was very um, powerful to really reclaim our own power, to really reclaim, mm. um, to not put our hands in someone else's life so that we can just obey and just follow. No, it's kind of like really trying and figuring out your own truth, your own life, your own power, your own freedom, and whatever, however it looks for you. But it's it's your own path, and no one walked your path before because no one is supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. It's just about you and what's what's authentic and and beautiful and uncomfortable and and whatsoever you feel along the ride for yourself mm -hmm. and and this is the beauty and this is like something that I that I really admire also in our conversation because it, it came up like also for me last week it came up for you and it also comes up a lot recently because I feel globally I was just like oh my god <laughs> globally we are like um awakening to our death and to our own internal guidance and wisdom and yeah with with that being said besides like leaning deeper into like the discomfort and 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 dealing with fear and loving it what would you recommend you know you brought up like the connectingness to nature and how it really helped you in the process um what would you say to help people who are in a, who are in a similar mindset right now or in a similar state but it's just right now the first leap of faith that they're going to to do what would you recommend for them how should what tools can they use or it's, yeah yeah it's a tricky one because <laughs> it might sound like about, yeah. but it, it's something you said which is like like we all have our own paths on this mm -hmm. um, and no two are the same. It's just not the case. And so a big part is, is owning that and going internally for your life, essentially for, for your guidance, for your path, what you want to do in life, what your opinions and beliefs are on everything, go inside and filter it all through you. Mm -hmm. um, 
And for me, that that started with, with well, I think how it starts with a lot of people is you kind of have this awareness of all oh, things aren't quite as they seem, and you start seeing everything externally that's wrong. So, uh, you know, what's wrong with you know maybe stuff that happened in your childhood because everyone has has this um, this experience with with schooling system with media, and for me, a big one was media and news. So, I started realizing like you can look at five different news channels, uh, well, not five, but you can, essentially the easiest way to look at it is I could look at the, the left or the right and have two radically different points of view on something. Um, uh, Democrat, Republican in, uh, in the States. But you start realizing then, okay, so there's two different points of view being coming through these different news channels, government, and and opinions because everyone's really kind of divided in these lines canada as well it's it's kind of these camps right and with that then you start seeing okay there's also corporate interests coming in mm -hmm. uh and there's people's psychological beliefs and their biases and their upbringing and, and their identity and their career and there's all these things that the information that's coming through is being filtered through and the start for me was trying to find truth in that and trying to find what's actually real because I can see there's two radically different stories being told and there's all this argument about it, but I don't, I know neither one of those is 100% accurate. There, there's this middle ground when you have to sift through everyone else's bias. So if you're talking to someone and they're telling you, um, if you're talking to someone, you can start seeing, okay, they have an incentive towards something or this is their bias based on their own fears. This is their own projections, these kind of things. You, you kind of come back to yourself. So with that, I think it's similar on the path that it's it's putting everything internally. So to say what someone else should do is difficult because it becomes so unique and personal to each person. So for me, it was looking at, as I said, it's kind of like all these different aspects of psychology to start and then philosophy and then uh, spirituality and not going just deep into one one aspect of it to say okay this is it and I am you know a, a stoic or I am a Buddhist not that there's anything wrong with it but just for me it was kind of going into these different areas and learning um, mm. and not saying oh this is the answer if I have a psychological uh, response but then how do you pair that psychological meaning with uh, maybe philosophy or the esoteric um, or, you know, neurochemistry, these things, and, and create this holistic view. So with that process, it's kind of coming back to, okay, what what what's actually right for me? And, and that's the be-all, end-all. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Bella has this view. That's wonderful, and I respect her, and I, I love listening to her, and um, I think there's a lot of wisdom in it, but that's, that's her path. That's mm. your path. And... This other person that, uh, you know, my best friend has this opinion and my parents have this opinion and, and sorting it out in that way, but that's everyone else. Yeah. But then coming back inside. And so with that, it ends up this process for me that's, um, you know, going towards these things that genuinely light me up and sometimes are scary, filtering out the things that are kind of, I'm being drawn to, for me, typically numbing or avoidance, which was kind of, certain habitual tendencies, um, you know, a lot of them actually. 
um, even the phone, right? But, but starting that filtering process of heading towards what feels in alignment, what feels healthy, what lights you up and starting to let go of everything that doesn't. And that letting go process can be really difficult. Um, and it, it takes time and patience, but over time it, it course corrects, you know, to a, a, an amazing degree. Um, there's an analogy I've heard that it's like a huge tanker in the ocean. And, you know, what we want is this ability to just take, like we're driving straight and we just want like an immediate U-turn. Okay, we're heading the other direction. But that's not how it typically happens. It's kind of these gradual course corrections where they can't just do a U-turn if you're in a massive tanker. You kind of do this tiny degree of a change and they start heading a little bit left. And, you know, over a couple of days, you've done a U-turn or whatever it might be. I'm not a Marine expert, but it's <laughs> this gradual turnaround, right? And uh, yeah, ha having kind of patience with that process, then I'm still trying to teach myself or step into patience with that process myself. Of, um, step away from outcome happiness of I'll, I'll be good when and I'll be happy when mm. <laughs> dot, 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 or... Uh, making healing or self-development or awakening um, or life kind of like goal-oriented of, of here's the end goal and I've made it or this is when I've made it. Um, but kind of continuing that refinement process that I think it's evolution and into what we deal with for life. That's amazing. How do you deal with it? Like what can especially because it's so in the mind and especially in the masculine mind um okay i can do this when this i do i can step out of that in this time frame but before that i need to gain more money i need to do this in order to actually like be able to do this so what are the tools or what is your suggestion for people who are right there right now to take the leap of faith, but they're still, they still feel the fear that comes up because they were buying into the story of like having the story figured out, but in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing that feels important is, it's the idea of prudence, but being aware that sometimes those things are necessary. So if you have a family, if you have certain bills, like, you know, still not pushing that away and taking like really irresponsible or radical leaps. Sometimes it, it, you know, how do I put it? Making sure that you're able to separate kind of basic fear versus common sense mm -hmm. um, and, and not going too deep with that. Make sure your, your kids have a roof over your head and, and food and um, that you're safe physically, the, these kind of things, right? Making sure not to throw that out. Um, but then I, th I think it's taking steps in that direction. Sometimes it's not, for a lot of people, in a lot of cases in my life, it's not this always this big leap, but sometimes it is small steps. Yeah. Um, the, the example that comes up is, I was, as I said, I kind of had moved back to my parents' house to get my life back in order to, make this radical shift and uh, come back to myself. It, it saved my life. It, it was 
the best decision I ever made in the end. Um, but I ended up in my parents' basement um, during lockdowns mm. and uh, in a town that, you know, isn't really aligned with who I am. Mm. Um, and a big part of that was being really disconnected from nature is the sense of it. It felt very synthetic to me. It's kind of, you know, the well-manicured lawns and, uh, you know, these beautiful natural areas that I'd be going to all of a sudden had big Christmas lights and strobe lights and uh, near the end, like the, the trees were getting ripped up and uh, to put bigger pathways in these, this, this shift towards more suburbia versus nature. And I, I feel really at home in nature. So the calling got louder and louder. You know, it's time to start moving. It's time to get out of here. And I had taken enough steps where I was able to do that. I, I didn't have to be at my parents' house. So I knew it wasn't time, you know, making that huge jump at the time didn't make sense to me, but I could start taking little steps. And some of those steps were as simple as, okay, I want to be in nature really badly. I, I could feel how much I wanted to live in the mountains, live more connected, more simple life. Um, and that's a big reason why I've always been drawn to to the Rockies and into Western Canada. But mm. I was in suburbia, so I'm not surrounded by that. I'm surrounded by manicured lawns and these uh, aspects that I, I don't love. So what I started doing is each day, okay, uh, I can't be in the mountains in my dream location, but I can go down to the lake uh, really early and watch the sunrise. And I would do that over and over and over again. Just spend an hour by the water and watch the sunrise uh, with my dog mm. and feel connected to that that place that I'm aiming. Um, it's not where I want to be. It's not the full life, but it, it's one step in that direction. Um, yeah. Finding on Google Maps, looking, okay, where are some creeks that I've never been to uh, and natural areas and parks and getting myself to go there over and over and over again. So each day, each week, taking another step in that direction and going on an adventure and uh, maybe doing a bit of my work out in nature uh, in a park or, uh, you know, starting to garden, these kind of things where it's just one more step, one more step, one more step. And then when it's time to take that leap, there's kind of momentum behind it. And it's, it's, it's built up. It's kind of the natural next step to some degree. It's still scary. It's still this big leap, but, but it's, it's the natural progression is kind of the feel. So it's not going from one day, um, one life and then the next day, the other life, but it's, it's taking gradual steps in it and seeing where those steps need to happen. So, you know, for me, one of the examples was, was nature. One was, uh, I couldn't sit in front of a computer and feel okay. My whole system would go awry. So, okay, mm -hmm. time to day by day, make sure that I'm able to incorporate more of that into my life so that I can sit on a Zoom call and not feel like I'm dissociating. Mm -hmm. um, or if I have to do something for, for my business, being able to actually implement that and put it into action. Um, and I think that's, you know, patience comes in with it, but but then you're taking little steps in a certain direction. You're doing those course corrections gradually in, in a sustainable way versus uh, if you're only trying to take major leaps every single time, it can be really difficult and a lot comes up. 
So it's kind of finding that ability to pair the two of taking gradual steps for me. And then when that calling comes, okay, time to make, you know, a really big shift and, and take a really big leap. Um, but with that momentum at my back, with wind at my back versus, you know, pushing against a brick wall, um, which never seems to work out that well. That is an amazing advice. Thank you so much for that. And also, mm -hmm. before wrapping up our conversation, because it's so it's so beautiful and so there's so much to go even deeper into into the topics. Um, so, who are you right now? What? How would you right now <laughs> describe your identity in a way? Or is it even possible? Is it just a feeling even more? Right now, it's more of a feeling. Um, mm. What comes up is like, I exist. Um, yeah. And I am state. But that's not to say I've let go of all the other identities. They're still there. Um, yeah. And they pop up. But it's the stuff that I'm working through a lot of the time. So, um, Yeah, seeing them come up, like I, I know one is uh, that crept in is like I am spiritual, and last week was oh I, I'm I'm an entrepreneur, <laughs> and, uh, and you know as I said the artist one and mm. um, you know, there's all these different ones that that I see. It's not that I don't like to uh, dive into esoteric and spiritual topics and uh, have a lot of daily practices that are along those lines and love you know, uh, that, that world. Um, uh, and that's what I experience on a day-to-day -day basis, but I am not that, um, mm. it's not that I'm not, uh, creating businesses or, or working to and experimenting and seeing what's possible to build, um, as an entrepreneur would, but that's not who I am. S same with the artists. Right. Yeah. Um, But it creeps up. So like last week, it was big with the entrepreneur one came in. And then when that starts getting challenged, uh, you have another one of those little rebirth moments of uh, it's kind of this come to earth moment that that's that's not me. It's it's part of how I express myself, part of my experience. Um, but But it's not who I am. Yeah, you, you phrased it last time we spoke, you phrased it really beautifully. You said, like, I do artistic work, you know, mm -hmm. and and this is something that really, like, um, stick on me. And every time now when people ask me, what are you doing? What, who, you, who are you? I'm like, I do therapeutic work. <laughs> and whatever it, like, seems like it shows up, it's, it's how I am. I'm not a podcaster. I'm not a therapist whatsoever. I do therapeutic work. And... Yeah. Um, And this is, I feel, the beauty, and it gives us permission to to open up to even more depth of what God or the universe or whatever you want to call it can show us of who we of who we truly are. It doesn't limit us anymore. And I feel all the time like those identities are here for limitation. And this is also something that we want to break out of as a soul of limitations, of really like understanding, no, there are no such thing than limitation, except the limitation that we create in our in our mind. Um, yeah. So in what you said today, it it really is so helpful because it's a, it's a deeper of understanding of like, we are not our thoughts, we are not our emotions, and we don't need to really like 
be impulsive and to act on our emotions. It's more like a fact of like, we connect to our heart, we let go of the old wounds that really like prevents us from doing so. And in order to connect to our heart, we are able to say to our mind, hey, you know, like, please serve me. Like, let's do this together and figure out the necessary steps that we need to take in order to move forward. And that brought our conversation today up because your experiences and everything you've been through in life and and every wisdom and knowledge and and heart connection you just shared today it's it's very impressive and very powerful and i'm i'm really thank you for for that that you that you were able to come today you know and and to express your deepest truth that you found yeah thank you i appreciate that it's uh yeah, really nice to connect and, you know, it's, it's a lot of stuff that it's what I live every day, but it, it's, I think it's impacting everyone to, like, uh, with what we're dealing with on, on earth right now, that everyone's having this stuff come up and, uh, there's a nice feeling with that of, of the shared experience that you, you and I have talked about it, talk people all around the world with it of, um radically different paths radically different experiences but but a similar process that we're all going through now uh, of as you say kind of coming back to wholeness to to who we are and uh it's fascinating i'll tell you that much um <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's awesome what you're doing of chatting about that and being able to give that those different lenses on um, on that path that we're all on. Yeah, it's it's like in the end of the day, we're all co-creating it together, right? Like in a, in a broader aspect and and whatever, like even like us in our pre-conversation, we just have the pillars that we want to talk about, but we are surrendering to the flow of where it like leads to and and we trust the higher, higher guidance through that. and. I feel this is impressive and this is pretty cool where we, you know, move um, towards in our society. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I'm just an honor. I'm really like enjoyed chatting with you and you, you phrased everything so beautifully. So yeah, Thank I really you. admire that. And I appreciate it. I appreciate that. And in order to, like my one last question that I always ask is because my podcast, the name is Masculinity Now. Um, what does masculinity means to you? Mm. It's a challenging question. <laughs> um, it is. You know, it's tough. I, I think a big piece is the balance still of I think we're all experiencing a big shift away from a hyper-masculine culture to something more balanced of balancing in with the feminine and and so it, it makes it a challenging question of, of I, I see it as integrated uh, as 
as a, a healthy expression of the masculine is integrating both of those. It's as you're saying, it's it's the structure with the flow. Yeah. Um, and among many other things, it, it's the emotions with the intellect and or the the rational mind. Um, yeah. So so it's it's a difficult one to to express honestly. Um, how does it feel in your body? Feels more free now. Before it would be, you know, it felt like, you know, it's the 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 repression and the the masking and, and all these things. It feels more like trying to be a tough guy, right? Mm -hmm. Of uh, <laughs> you know, puff, puff up my chest a bit and <laughs> try and intimidate people slightly, or uh, you know. Um, now it feels, I mean, what's coming up is the ability that it's, it's rightful action is what's coming up. Being able to take those, you know, more intuitive states, you know, the heart's intelligence essentially, but, but take in those intuitive states, the intuitive hits, work with the emotions and, you know, more of the um, kind of the mystical realms and then, and then actually take action with that and bring that into reality taking um taking those those nuggets from the ethers and, and actualizing it so for me that's why i love these two things of entrepreneurship and uh and art is that with both of them you're taking something from the unknown realms from inspiration from an idea from you know from the the ethers and bringing it down and actualizing it and putting it into form, materializing it. Um, and so that is a balanced state, but, but right now that's really what it means to me is being able to bring that into form, uh, where what I experienced was in, initially I was very much hyper-masculine. Like I th our, our whole culture is women, men, you know, I think mm. it's across the board essentially do, 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 action mind um and then i had this big swing along the pendulum to what was probably extreme feminine of too much in you know go with the flow and uh you know no structure uh mm -hmm. no discipline but but too much in those floaty realms which was you know fantastic and what i needed but now yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find that that balanced state which is how to work with both have the structure so that you can flow within it um bring those intuitive uh, hits down with an act on it and actually move forward with what I want to build and create and help others. Um, yeah, so a bit of a ramble, but it's, it's a tricky one. It's kind of a, a balanced state is what I'm aiming for. And with that, it, it feels free, honestly, uh, the more I step into it. I, I know I'm not in some fully balanced, actualized state, but more uh working with those two to kind of find that balance and, and try and stay within somewhat co coherence um yeah th that, that's the sense for me and that's beautifully explained and the most beautiful beautifully explanation that i heard since a long time because it's it's all about the balance and i totally believe that it's always understanding 
that life is all about the balance and the mm -hmm. more we understand ourselves and where everything comes from the more we we can get back into balance and can back into our awareness and into our consciousness and really observe us and to use the correct tools that help us to put us back or in alignment or um, remember where to go. Mm -hmm. So yeah. thank you from the bottom of my heart for today, Alex. It was very, very nourishing. I appreciate it. Great to chat. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode on Masculinity Now with Arabella Tornau. And thank you for your interest in your heart. If you like this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe so more people who can benefit from it can be reached. Take care, and we hear us soon.